0: The Geo Show The Geo Show The Geo Show
1: The Geo Show 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 The Geo
0: Show The Geo Show The Geo Show Welcome to another Geo Show. I am your host and Master of Ceremonies GOP. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Andrew Schofield, fellow radio broadcaster. And if you've been in the Ottawa area, you may have heard him uh, either presenting music or reading the news. He's a man of many trades and he's joining me today. Andrew, welcome to the show.
1: That's uh, great to be here, Gio. Thanks for having me on.
0: Ah, absolute pleasure. Great to have another friend of the program on. You know, how so? How let's just get into it. How how have things been for you?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it's been a weird year for everyone, right? I mean, everything's been kind of up in the air. Um, I recently started a new job back. Uh, well, last month actually. So uh, I'm still adjusting to a new position, and I, and I came to this one after working a, a night shift, news reporter at my last job so this is uh
0: it's been a bit of an adjustment that, that is for sure so to kind of give a bit of an introduction i basically alluded in the intro a little bit you were the uh nightly news writer for um i guess i guess i'll name drop the studios uh, one of uh cfra which is a local news joint here in ottawa and you've had, you were actually on the grind you were you joined them straight while you were in the program went straight there, which is quite admirable, but, uh, big radio guy, but let's, let's kind of jump into that. How'd you get into radio? Well,
1: uh, how far back should we go here? Um, well, as far as we can go, t- turn it back, man. Okay. Well, let's go back to my childhood like dead serious here. Okay. So when I was like about, I would say about four or five years old, I really got into, uh, recording. Just stuff off the radio and making mixes and just on cassette tape. And I used to wake up very early on Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings, I think it was. And I'd pop a blank tape into my tape deck that I had, was just a little RCA thing. And I would record, um, the Sunday morning oldie show off of magic 100. And, um, I have, I, and I, I just love documenting uh, these broadcasts and I would play them back and listen to, uh, The song, Like whatever songs were playing And uh, I captured a bunch of the commercials From that time period Uh, Some of the newscasts too got in there So they're kind of these little time capsules that I have So that was sort of when I first really got into Listening to the radio Uh, And when I was I think about six years old Or five years old I got a gift for Christmas And it was uh, This little cassette deck And it came with these two alligator clips That like on a wire That came out of it And you would connect it to a piece of metal uh, so I would use like uh, in in my, my parents' house they have these uh, they have these like door uh, these window cranks and the window cranks are made of steel so I just hooked them onto that uh, and sit in the living room and I had a little microphone that came out of it and it would use the signal from the metal to essentially broadcast what was in the microphone out about 40 feet so if you're within 40 feet of that thing you had a little pirate radio station you could pick up and it would be me talking nice and the whatever tapes i wanted to play it was like a single cassette deck no noise reduction on it at all but it would (laughs) yeah so it, it would play i could play tapes on the air and i had like a little pirate radio station going um yeah so that was sort of when i first my first venture into radio. I first went into like actual broadcast radio uh, when I was at Ottawa U, uh, the University of Ottawa. I think is the. Pro- I never know is it Ottawa U or U Ottawa. I think it's U Ottawa. I always say Ottawa U, but that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. U Ottawa. I was a freshman, and I was studying uh, c- communications. And while I was studying communications, I realized there was a campus radio station, uh, CHUO. And, uh, you know, I just went in there. I walked in there one day and I was like, hey, uh, can I help out a little bit here? Is there anything I can do? And they were like, yeah, well, we need people to help file the incoming music that we get on the, the CDs and records that we get sent in. We need someone to file those so you can file them and put them into the playlist. If you like what you hear, you can put it on. It was very uh, open concept, which is cool. And then it got to the point where I eventually got my own, my own show uh, called The Vinyl Vault. And The Vinyl Vault was... I would just go in one afternoon to their music library, which was a—it's the old school music library. It's a room probably about the size of like a basement room just filled with records wall to wall on these shelves that could move. And I just pick records that I thought were oh, that's interesting. Let's put that on the air or something that I knew that I wanted to play and I could find. And I would put these these shows together roughly based around themes and how I could get these these records to all tie in together. And so that was sort of like, that was sort of the brainchild of what I came up with as like an 18 year old undergrad. <laughs> and that, <laughs> nice. and it, it was really fun. I loved it. Uh, and, that, and, and then I sort of realized I, I ended up, I dropped out of uh, the University of Ottawa and I spent a year just working and living on my own, just doing my own thing when I was about 20. And then I was like, okay, well, I want to get, I want to actually have a career. So I looked in, I looked into the radio broadcasting program at Algonquin College. Well, that's uh, the rest is history. I I thoroughly enjoyed the course. And yeah, I managed to land a job in Ottawa
0: before I'd even finished the program. So I'm very grateful for that. Wow. So I want to I'm going to jump back a bit. That was an amazing story. But I'm going to jump back to uh, first off, I want to talk about that um, that pirate radio. I, I love I love stuff like that and you know the pirate waves and stuff um i know a lot of people i hear stories of a lot of actors and stuff actually starting out like that too having their own little performances and shows and stuff so that's that's really cool with that what was it like kind of getting that exposure what was it like that feeling like thinking that you were kind of like broadcasting yourself oh
1: well i mean i was a kid um i, I just thought it was cool to be performing in a way and i could always been sort of into performing like um you know i've been in a couple bands and i've played some solo concerts just as a guitarist and stuff and i've always really been into performing so um i i guess that was sort of my first i would say that was probably my first venture actually into performing was being able to run this little 40 foot radius radio station
0: and kind of jumping from that you got the your radio show at uh, chuo how did that start out was that something that uh somebody recommended hey man you should start a show or was that something that you thought maybe i can do something here because of course that's that's a very cool format you know playing stuff from vinyl records and of course i've heard about i've i've never unfortunately had the chance to ever see it i hope one day i do get to see it uh that that uh, vault that they have at uh chuo i've heard stories um, of how you know about it, I I've heard about it. It's it's very it's 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 uh, it's like mythology, I guess, for me because I'm very I'm very intrigued to, to one day visit that vault. But uh, yes. what was it like uh, doing that? Well, it was it was.
1: I mean, I was living on my own at the time. Uh, I lived in in Lower Town in a little apartment, uh, and I I really liked the fact that I could really tap into my creativity. Right, I could really make, I could I could take a theme. And just explore it. Like, if, if one day I wanted to do late 70s prog rock, I did a show on that. Uh, and I think I got, like, there was, I don't remember what I played, some probably some Floyd or something. But, like, there was all, like, I think I did one that was, like, Canadian bands from the 80s. Uh, like, you could just pick these different themes. And the sky really felt like the limit. And that's what I really liked about it was there was really no uh, sort of damper on my creativity. Uh, it was an outlet. That's what it was. It was an outlet. Like when you're a student, when you're young, when you're 19, when you're 20, you've got a lot of pent up energy when you're like, you know, a young man, there's a lot of things you want to do. And, you know, people find ways to do it. They go to the gym. I mean, I was in the exercise at the time too, but me, but broadcasting, that was where I really started to tap into it. And I realized, wow, in this medium, there's so many different things you can do. There's so many different, uh, avenues you can take. And it was just a really fun outlet. I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like work when you enjoy what you're doing.
0: Oh, yeah. And did you ever have, um, take entirety, because they had the, uh, again, the album archive. Did you ever kind of pick anything that wasn't there? Did you ever bring in your own stuff or would, did it entirely come from that archive?
1: Uh, well, I, I did kind of set my own limits. Uh, I, I did it from within that archive. But I mean, you're talking thousands of records. Mm-hmm. Right like there's just it's walls of records that you can just go through So I mean there, you're not I, I never ran there was stuff like the ceilings just kept going up It was a high ceiling like I couldn't even reach and I'm, I'm tall and I couldn't even reach the top Like level of the <laughs> records so like I had to get on a stepladder to pick certain ones out and I, I'm like six foot five and so there there was it was an endless it was a, just an endless uh, world of music to get into I could have brought in a lot of my own uh but you know quite frankly I was taking public transit at the time and I really didn't want to bring uh my vinyl records on the bus oh yeah yeah there was no O train at this time either so
0: <laughs> oh yes yeah. so that that just makes things a lot more harder but uh yeah I guess going off of that you are and maybe we can touch on this now you've been a bit of a music collector kind of uh you've call co- I guess going off of like recording shows off of Ottawa Radio, and you collect uh, vinyls, vinyl records. Um, so that must have been, again, that's like the perfect fit for you. But yeah. um, we'll maybe get back, we'll maybe jump into uh, talk about the collecting in a bit. But what was the transition of uh, you're doing your show at um, CHUO at uh, U Ottawa? Uh, what was it like? Um, when did you make the decision uh, to go to uh, the radio program at Algonquin and drop out of your program?
1: So I studied communications for a couple of years at U Ottawa, and I got to my third year, and uh, by being young and mismanaging my money, I ran out of money. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't afford to keep paying rent and going to school. Um, I had credit card debt that was sort of the dark side of it i think and uh so i I dropped out of the program and i just worked for about a year and i did that uh and i just worked retail i worked at a supplement store called cardish health foods which is a local chain uh Classic. Yeah, sold supplements and uh, pretended to be a doctor for eight hours a day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I did. So I did that, um, and eventually I I would moved. At this point, I was living in a two bedroom apartment on Elgin Street, right downtown. Uh, building's called the Wallace. It's a really nice little uh, yellow brick Victorian era apartment building with stained glass. The apartment buildings in the downtown core, some they're really cool because they're so historic. Anyways, I digress. I I got into like researching What am I going to do with my life You know I'm 21 or 22 Or however I was at the time I think I was 21 And I was like I got to do something Uh, I can't just sit here Working minimum wage The rest of my life So I was like Let's get into radio I took out some student loans. I knew I loved doing the radio thing at Ottawa U. So I took my experience I had from that and uh, was like, okay, let's do this Algonquin College. I know that Algonquin College is known, and this is a bit of a plug for them, they're known for really getting people into uh, the workplace and getting people jobs. So I thought, let's take this route and see where it goes. Uh, and so there was a year where I just sort of like, <laughs> I, I had my, my sort of... Um, my 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 early twenties crisis where I joined a band with some friends and just worked a crappy minimum wage job, and you know I, I I struggled. I mean I I ended up having to get billed out of debt a couple times, but it really helped sort of like build me. And then I, I moved back in with my parents, you know the the, the prodigal son story, and I. And that's when I went to Algonquin College And that's when I really got into radio And I put my nose to the grindstone I really got into the whole broadcasting thing And um, and then I was just dead set I knew I loved it I actually originally entered TV broadcasting And uh, I transitioned into radio And because radio I knew was where I wanted to go I don't know why I signed up for TV um, But anyways, yeah So the, the, there was sort of like a one year span of like not really doing much But just doing a lot of like personal stuff And then I applied myself again And went back to college and i have never looked back I mean this is the trajectory I've gotten my life on, and I love it
0: and uh, jumping into the program now you've already mentioned before you had the experience with uh c h u o what was it like jumping into the program was it uh, intimidating was it because I know with with that there's like I don't, was it different was it kind of like you learned things at uh auto at you Ottawa that were different to how they did it there what was it like was it kind of a bit of a culture shock or no oh I mean algonquin college
1: was just so much more intense I mean because when I was doing it at Ottawa U that wasn't for credits you know that wasn't that wasn't a class thing that was just that was volunteer I did that just because it was for fun so it didn't matter how well I did like it was just sort of me like messing around in the studio. But when I went to Algonquin, I was actually in college for radio and I had, I had to do well. And so, uh, I just really, yeah, I would say that it was a little intimidating. I remember my first time going on air. Um, it was, uh, it was, uh, what's his name? Sarkeesian. Sar- Sarkeesian. What's his name?
0: Do you remember Sark? From the- uh, Sarkeesian. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, is it Ryan? Or one second. Yeah, I can't remember his Mike, name. Mike. Mike. Mike
1: Sarkeesian. Mike, Mike, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. If you're hearing this, uh, <laughs> um, Mike Sar- Sarkeesian. He was my uh, he was my my student mentor uh, at, at the time, and he was sitting in there with me when I went on air for the first time on CKDJ, which is Algonquin College's radio station on the FM dial 107.9, and I froze. That Mike went on, and I hadn't I hadn't been on the air in over a year, right? Because I, I was at Ottawa, you a few years before that and, and like i hadn't been doing anything broadcast wise i was just doing a totally i was just working retail and um <laughs> i i froze up i think i almost cussed on the air i'm very happy i didn't uh he was because I, I panicked uh but you know with practice it got better um and you know it's still i mean i'm not uh i'm not perfect by any means i'm still very much trying to hone my skills and get better that's what this job, this job, this career being in broadcasting is really all about. I mean, you're really never, you never max out your talent, even like the all time greats like like Casey Kasem or Ryan Seacrest, they can probably always tell you that it was always a
0: work in progress to get better. It was never a done deal. Very cool. And um, now you, uh, similar to a lot of people, you had kind of your own afternoon uh, show, on uh ckdj i guess a bit of a deviant or a deviation from your original show that you had on uh chuo what was that like
1: uh that was definitely different uh because there was no there was no vinyl and there was no cds uh i don't know why ottawa you is still doing that it's very old school but it's fun that's the best part about it, it doesn't matter if it's old it's fun but ckdj CK uh really preps you for how the real world is, is in the radio industry and uh, everything is like software based. You got to learn. Uh, you got to learn the ins and outs of the computers. And if you're not in any way tech savvy, you're going to become tech savvy quickly. And luckily, you know, I'm a millennial. I'm from that generation that is able to adapt, adapt to, uh, to technology fairly quickly. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a shock having to change things up. But uh, I didn't see anything negative about it. I, I, I embraced it.
0: I know for a lot of people, it was quite a mix, you know, uh, in, in the program, you learn to do like a lot of different things and it's not, uh, it mostly focuses on being on, on, on air host, but you also learn other skills. Uh, was, was there anything that you struggled with while kind of jumping through the program? Uh, do you have anything that you took a real shine to while in the program or?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of how it is for most people, but for me in particular, I found I struggled with the stuff like uh, I find I find that me personally, if you if you want to do a bit of a delve into how my brain works, I'm very if I don't really like something, I have a hard time really getting into it. And I've always been like that. And when I do like something, I go the full nine yards like I, I, I can't I, I, I just go completely into it. And, uh, so if there were, there were things in the course that I didn't particularly like, I think everybody has to deal with that with any little school program or anything like that. But like for me, it was stuff that had to deal, deal with like marketing. Like we took like marketing courses and stuff on mm-hmm. the stuff that involved stuff that I really didn't care about, but I knew I had to do. You know, I'm I'm not going to name the courses in particular because I know that they serve a good purpose, but if I'm being totally honest, I just didn't Mm -hmm. like those. Like, I, I... I, I resented them, but I still did them. I just didn't do as well as I did in the stuff that I really did well in, which was for me, it was like the performance aspect of it, uh, the trivia aspect of it, like stuff, knowing about like music or about like the hit, like the <laughs> memorizing the call letters of all the radio stations in Ottawa, you know, like these, oh, tri- yes. these, tri- oh, these oh, trivial yes. things. But because they're trivial, and my brain likes trivial things. I was able to excel at that. I couldn't excel at putting together RFPs. Like, I had no request for proposals. Like, I I really had no interest in doing that. And so I struggled with it. But putting together, like, you know, lists of radio station names and uh, music formatting and all that kind of stuff... And performance That stuff I excelled at And I think that's part of the reason Why I was able to help get a job um, Before I even finished the program That and, I, and like I worked really hard Like it became my life And, and
0: it started to pay off And it is paying off now and I think I, it's, I guess it's like, you know, there might, and I know for a fact there are, you know people who jump into it and God only knows how they are, but, uh, how they're interested, but there's people who jump in and are extremely interested in that subject of radio and can't stand being on air, but, uh, you know, different strokes for different boats, I guess.
1: I, I mean, but, you remember, uh, remember what, I don't know if, cause you were, I mean, you know, let's just have uh, full transparency. You and I were in the same program. So there was like, There was a lot of people in the program at first and like nearly, I don't want to say half of them, but a significant number of them were gone by the time the first semester and then the first year was over. If you don't really put your all into this, you're not, you know, it's going to, you're probably not going to go very far.
0: Yeah, because I I'd remember, <laughs> maybe I'm I'm gonna be put on blast for saying this, but I remember there'd be people who would uh, who would jump into the program and say, and you would say, oh, why do you why'd you join the program? And they'd just be like, oh, because I like music, like no intention to be a radio host, just I mean, I like music, same so. though to be fair, but
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The I got into it. I mean the reason I got into broadcasting was because I like music, I like you know entertainment, yeah. I like that kind of stuff, I'm passionate about it, but. Yeah, I mean that you need to be a little
0: more three-dimensional than just that. Exactly, but you know, and it was it was crazy just kind of like, you know, slowly and I don't know if I can even talk about this will be maybe for the extended cut, but it was almost a bit depressing slowly seeing the class size decrease and seeing people you saw on a daily basis and like you were just you kind of you got a bit depressed but also a bit determined because people you talk to would just be gone and would just like you'd see them and it'd be like just depressing and you just find out oh where's so-and-so and so and be like oh he dropped out yeah i remember that he's he's moving away and it would be just so depressing because it'd be like there was a smiling face you saw every day and that person's gone but in a way also what happened it also brought people it became more of a tight-knit program like more people came together like it was it was more of it felt you know even though it felt more like a workplace like at an actual radio station just because of how how kind of like things were run and how everybody was like on a basis of knowing each other, and probably something you can't get in like larger programs. Yeah, that's dead because on because there's, there's so many people. That's dead and on. With our program, everybody know who everyone was. There was not, there was no one really going. I don't know who this person is. So that's something I'll always really appreciate.
1: A hundred percent. I I completely agree. And um, I think talking about watching people drop out of the program. I think part of that one of the feelings that it definitely gave me was a sense of anxiety. And, like, I'm a bit of an anxious person uh, to begin with. Um, So, I would get these feelings of dread. You know, these feelings of, oh, man, why is this person gone? Do they know something that I don't know? (laughs) You know, like, uh, is is there something that's, you know, what's going on? Why are they dropping out? Like, um, but, you know, I mean, you gotta just develop a sense of uh, self-assuredness in a way. Oh,
0: yeah. And it's just you know it's i guess it's just a case to be more determined you know i don't want that happening to me but it's uh it would it was it's it's a it's a mixed bag of feelings when that happened but uh, yeah for sure um from the program you jumped to uh doing news and uh i remember when that happened you know we were still we were cl- we talking on a daily basis um you were basically working into the night doing news broadcasts. What was that like kind of jumping from CKDJ to uh, doing basically nightly news? It was hard. Um, it was it was hard um,
1: because I'd gone from, you know, waking up in the morning to go to class uh, and then having my evenings to myself. Uh, and then it suddenly changed to me starting work at 10 p.m., getting off at roughly 5.30 in the morning, 6 on the weekends, coming home, sleeping until 4 in the afternoon, maybe 3 in the afternoon. Uh, It's totally flipping your schedule, and that messes with your mental health. It really does. It really makes you—it can make you depressed. It definitely made me rather depressed for a while. Uh, But I always kind of kept this mentality in mind that— there's something on the horizon line that I'm trying to get to, and this is gonna, this is going to help me get there. And I really wanted to be an FM broadcaster and an announcer, and I was able to sort of springboard from news into that. And so, I, as long as I as long as I kept my mind focused on a longer term goal, I found that that really made it a whole lot easier uh, to deal with because otherwise it can be really hard and can get in a rut. Um, it was a job; it wasn't something that I was passionate about it was something that I would do
0: mm-hmm.
1: but not something that I loved doing. What I'm doing now is something mm-hmm. I love doing. I've never been happier. And it was it's, it's like, like a stepping, a stepping stone, stone basically. basically.
0: Of course it's admirable being able to do that and of course it's it's a prestigious title too. You know, you're breaking news uh so that's always something to be proud of but you know and then I guess kind of transitioning to the present where we are now you're now an announcer at uh, Jump FM in Ottawa which is um Jump 969. Yes and uh what was it like uh jumping from from uh, news to like you said your dream job?
1: Well um you know I mean there there's what it, so I'll, what I do in this job it's it's more than just on air I'm I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a jack of multiple trades here and I I also produce the morning show um which, which is Brooke and Jeffrey in the morning um, And I, I, I produce that for the morning broadcasts um, And then I also do the on-air Show but the, tra- the big Transition for me of course is flipping your body Clock to being able to wake up At 4.30 in the morning to go And do the morning show at 6 you know And be able to function Properly and drive and like uh-huh. you know just be do normal things and you, once you flip your body clock and you're able to do that i'm still kind of doing it i mean i only started doing this about a month ago so i'm not 100 there yet but i think i'm getting there um but the big transition as well is like also realizing that you know in fm radio you can be so much more expressive when you're in news and look i don't mean knock news there's nothing wrong with news if there's any young broadcasters out there listening do what I did. Get into news, and then you know you can use that to go other places. You know you have to, you have to not look at it in this. Like I'm going on a bit of a, of a digression here, but you 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 got to look at it not so much as like the short term. I'm not enjoying this. This isn't what I want to do. Maybe it is what you want to do, but if it's not, you you can you have to look to the future. Always keep looking to the next the next goal that you're setting for yourself that you want to get to. Um, and that's what you can use. Uh, th- these jobs It may not be as appealing to you at first To get to those jobs Where they are more appealing But So Like News radio is like very much It's the facts This is happening Be objective You talk like this And you present the news as it is You know You really just sort of give a straight read but when you're doing FM radio, well, When you're doing FM radio, you can kind of liven it up a little bit and have some fun. And you can, you can, you can really just sort of like get into this – you can be more expressive. And, that, and that's the big difference I found for me was going from being like restricted and kind of rigid and then all of a sudden getting into – oh, yeah, you can do that. Oh, you want to have someone call in? Yeah, do that. You know, you want to get them on the air? Yeah, you decide if you want to put it on the air. Like there's so much more freedom I found. And that was like – that was a big adjustment for me. I'm like – how much can I take before I take too much? You know, I'm like, can I, can I push the envelope a little bit? (laughs) Um, But it's more just adjusting to like those changes in dynamic. And of course, because we're in COVID, it's COVID-19, the pandemic as we're recording this, it's, there's no other real colleagues there. I mean, you do, I mean, I do see a couple people that are in the building, but I don't see, you know, the, our, our management's working from home and all like, so we're kind of left to our own devices a little bit more. Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and i can imagine just working there it's like a comparison i and maybe i'm gonna have to cut this out but you know you're working with the news organization that's something that a lot of more older people want to go for serious straightforward content and then you've got the music station you know it's loosened up it's fun the whole kind of demographic is being fun and getting into the music and stuff so it's like you've got two different things to work with
1: yeah, I don't want to get into my like the politics of the workplace because like that would just sort of be my interpretation of it and I don't want to inf- I don't want to speak out of line on that issue, but I do think that like when it comes to news, uh it's just it's more regimented. It's a different field. But hey, I mean, the more jobs you do, the higher your skill set becomes and the more expansive your skill set becomes so yeah it's okay like it's it's more conservative doing the news is conservative you, you have to do things a certain way there's a there's a formula to it doing fm radio is more liberal it's more this is an open concept do what you want and see how it works uh, within reason you know i mean you can't you can't cuss on the air but yeah. <laughs> But like just you can exp- you can experiment with things and you can try things out and like see if they work and then turn to your turn to your program director and ask for their feedback and get their input and see what they think. And I, it's just it's a totally different dynamic. But if you're going to get into broadcasting, it's good to be able to do both of those things because it gives you a more well-rounded view of the broadcast industry.
0: Of course, yes and uh what what's been now i know with uh, fm radio you know you have the opportunity again to do bits and call-ins, and you know sometimes things go wrong and you have to make a best uh uh you have to make a light of a bad situation what's been your favorite uh have you had a favorite moment or any funny moments so far in studio or even something uh back in your algonquin days that you look back at it just smile or
1: um a lot of them are just like really positive memories you know like i remember i remember Dan teaching us how to do air checks and do you remember when he would do you remember the hot seat <laughs>
0: of course yes
1: <laughs> have you sit in the front of the class and then on the big whiteboard behind you he would write hot seat <laughs> in in, uh, yeah. in in like you know not sharp like dry erase marker um and then he would play an air check and, and for anyone who's listening who isn't aware of what an air check is air checks are essentially like they take, they take audio of you doing your job and then they review it and they, and they, and they assess you on it. And and it can be really, really daunting for a lot of people. I mean, uh, for anyone really. Um, but he would have the whole class essentially critique your air check. And this is a class of like 25 people at times, you know, like it's a lot of people. Yes. Um, and, uh, a little insider's tip well, I don't know. Maybe this is just my experience, but they're not as bad in real life as they are in uh, in college. So he really prepares you for the worst. <laughs> but but that memory, that memory of sitting there and having everyone say good things and constructive criticism about you. Is I don't know. It's just something I look back with, with fond memories, um, and also just those late night, those late night classes where we'd be producing podcasts or or we'd be doing. Remember the Algonquin Show? Oh, that yeah. was a like. Oh yes, we, we, oh yeah. That was like I think at the time I didn't like it very much, but when I look back on it now.
0: I'm a little nostalgic, take it for granted, you know.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. cuz I wanted to get home. You know, I wanted to crack open a cold one. I wanted to watch the, the Raptors game or the Senators game or whatever on TV. I didn't yeah. I, I didn't I didn't want to be there because it wasn't what I was really passionate about, but like now looking back on it, I did enjoy that and that that was really important. I really wouldn't give it up for the world to have had those chances and just the people that you bond with when you're put in stressful situations with other people that are in your similar age range You know, you get a little Lord of the Flies Sometimes, but you you do begin to bond With each other, you know, you do find ways to Solve problems Uh, (laughs) It's always trying to keep things above Board, but every now and then you gotta find kind of Creative ways to get around issues, and It's, uh, yeah If I had to pick, like, one particular moment I don't think there's one particular moment For me that really stands out, I think there were so many Of them that, like, every Class has its own memories for me that I really Enjoyed, with the exception of Maybe a few uh, but overall Like yeah I mean I, I the, These past two years of my life have been amazing And this is only two years into my career So I mean like I don't know where I'm going to go from here um, But it's it, it feels like I have a good st- It's been a good start And if if you like radio If you like broadcasting And if you want to move to Ottawa Or if you live in Ottawa It's a great, great program At Algonquin College to take You're going to have these memories You're going to make these friends um, But it really helps it really helps if you're passionate about it. That that's what really makes a difference. I find,
0: of, of course, definitely, and it's it's such. It you look back, well, you have kind of a feeling like what you were saying during the program that you're just sometimes you have those those moments where you're just there and you're just kind of like you hate it. But then you're kind of looking back on these moments. Like, I I yearn to kind of be back in the studio to actually do stuff, you know? It, it feels like such a, like, you kind of, I, I think back of it now, and it's almost like thinking, oh, what if I go to Algonquin? It's kind of, like, forbidden. It's closed off. It's locked up. Uh, and it just feels kind of like, you know, back, back, like, literally a bit more than a year ago, you just kind of park yourself there whenever you want and just hang out in the newsroom or if no one was on air you just jump in and start doing on air stuff and I just miss that kind of you know freedom of being there and just like and like what you were saying with the program and it just feels like such a different uh such a different kind of moment now so yeah it's weird it's um
1: it's kind of like when you go, like I, I live really close to my old elementary school and like sometimes when I like I, I'm, a, I'm a jogger I like to run and sometimes I'll, I'll run I'll run by my elementary school and I'll and I'll look in the windows and i'll I'll look in the doorway and i I mean obviously not when school's in session, like on the weekends or something uh, just, <laughs> just just to look just to look in the hallways uh, and and just sort of have that that nostalgia you know nostalgia I think it comes from a Greek term that and I could be wrong on this, but I think it comes from the idea it's like a combination of two terms meaning to come home and to feel sadness and I think that there's sort of the sense of I had this. And this helped make what I am today, but I can't go back there. Yeah. And there's a sort of beautiful sadness in that that hits you, and um, it happens with this with the, with the Algonquin College program too. I mean, I can't tell you how many nights I've you know I've I I, mean, I like to stay up late when I can, and I'll just go through old photographs and I'll just look through these old pictures of us just by myself and the things we're, and look at us in the studio together or in the classroom or like there's, I like reliving those memories as much as I like making plans for the future. And if you can do that, you're living a good life,
0: man, you know, nostalgia is one hell of a drug. It's uh yeah, it's an experience
1: for sure. Um, it's even like, I mean, it's like that with anything, you know, I, I get nostalgic for my old apartment, you know? I get nostalgic for my friends who have moved away and I haven't seen in years. And uh, that's uh, that's part of life, though. I mean, this isn't just... Uh, that's not just a broadcasting thing. It's not just a career thing. That's just a life thing. It's
0: how it's... it's it is what it is, as they say, but uh, hopefully, you know, it's, it's a memory. It's a memory, I guess. Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: Anyway, before we make things too depressing... Um, I loved. I want to flip this around for, I guess, our final bit of the interview. Sure. Um, As I mentioned before in in a lot of other interviews, I just love talking about people's interests, about what they like. And, you know, because I feel everybody has kind of an interest that kind of brings out them it's almost like them uh as weird as that sounds i didn't word that right and i didn't script it right anyway um as we went through before your passion is kind of music and uh was radio and uh, as as kind of going back to the joke i made earlier the i like music you really like music but um You actually collect vinyl records, and uh, I guess, as mentioned before, you have, I I would say, a pretty big collection of uh, vinyl. I know we've had some previous uh, music collectors in the show, particularly CS-188 from an earlier episode of Season 2, but... What was it like for you, uh, kind of, when did you, because you mentioned you started with cassettes, when did you get into vinyl, and uh, how did the collection kind of go from there?
1: So uh, that that's a bit of a funny story. So when I was about, I want to say I was probably about 11 years old, my basement flooded of my my parents' house, that it, and, and so it was a carpeted basement, too, so that's especially not fun. Uh, but anyways... It, all this stuff had to come out of storage and what, a couple of things that came out of storage were, were boxes of my dad's records in his record collection cuz like you know he was he was my age in the 19 the late 70s early 1980s and so he had crates of LPs um and so I didn't have a record player at the time so I would just like go through them and just sort of admire them and just look at them and because I was a curious 11 12 year old boy I was just like looking at these things and like there's so much different I had a big CD collection at the time I still do but um, records are just more fun and I just thought they were really cool and I I really wanted a record player eventually so I could play these things that we had in the basement and um, for Christmas that year I asked for one and my grandfather got me an emerson brand all-in-one turntable from sears and uh you know not not the greatest of quality but that's okay because i was 12 years old i didn't really deserve something of great quality because i'd probably break it <laughs> uh, but i could but it, it could play third. i could play lps 45s and 78s <laughs> which is kind of cool um but like 78s for anyone who doesn't know are those really old ones from like the 1930s made of shellac that'll shatter if you drop them on the floor and they play really fat really fast speed anyways uh so i could finally listen to all these records that i found and i was like oh this is awesome Um, And so that's when I started collecting them And I started I I would see posters around town Advertising record collectors Conventions that would come to the city And I I mean I was probably the youngest person there But I would bug my dad to take me to these places And I would just spend Hours going through vendors That were selling off their record collections And um, I guess that's where it really started When I was probably about 12 years old Wow. So it's uh, it's grown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't. uh, There's too many of them to keep in like, you know, one small area like my bedroom or like in my living room. Like they have to be spread out around the house. And I take my favorites and those are the ones I bring. Close to like where my equipment is, and it's it's not it's not a crazy setup or anything. It's really just a turntable and amp and some speakers, but and some headphones. The he- same headphones I use when I'm on here. Um, they're they're Phillips. they it's all you need basically. It's just yeah, it's just for me. But it's again, it's just it's for my pleasure. It's for my enjoyment. It's a hobby that I really enjoy. And um, the thing with collecting records is that they're just more tactile. I like the the fact that you can hold this piece of cardboard in your hands with a vinyl disc inside and. They can come in different colors, and they got the lyric sheets, and it's just more, there's more of an aesthetic to it than there is MP3 files or compact discs, you know, and CDs CDs are good for, I mean, no one really uses CDs anymore, I don't think, but for what they were worth at the time, they were great, you could bring it in your, I mean, I still use them in my car, but you could bring them on the go, and mp3s are great for that i love mp3s i mean i use youtube music which everyone's always like why don't you have spotify who uses youtube music i'm like i don't know man it searches youtube as well as its own library so there's actually more to it than spotify i'm pretty sure but you know (laughs) anyways um yeah no records are just more i just find them a lot more fun and like i probably have about a thousand which isn't huge but i mean like that's i think it's it's a pretty decent amount i could probably sell a bunch of them off if i ever wanted to make some quick uh cash but it would break my heart to have to do that
0: Hypothetical situation: There's a fire at your house. God forbid, you had to save five. Which five vinyls would you grab? Which five records would I
1: save? Uh, let me think. Yes. Okay. First pressing of Ride the Lightning by Metallica, um, with a mistake on the back cover. Um. Oh yes,
0: I remember you telling me about that one. That's very cool.
1: What else? Let me think. Five. Okay, so that's one of them. Uh, two. <laughs> a ten-piece blues rock band from ohio called mom's apple pie they had an album i think they only had two albums and their first album had a sort of sort of norman rockwell-esque album cover of a woman holding an apple pie with a slice taken out of it and in the interest of keeping things pg-13 i'm not gonna say what it is but there's an obscene image hidden inside the pie and then the record was taken off the shelves Pretty quickly, I have a first pressing of it in, like, near mint condition. It's a radio station promo copy with the offending pie on the cover, so I'd probably bring that with me. Probably some one of my Beatles ones. I might take my copy of Magical Mystery Tour, which is an original mono 1968 pressing with the original comic book that it came with. Okay, number number four. The, the self-titled debut album by a math rock slash emo band called American football they're from Champaign Illinois and they pretty much uh they were one of the first and mo- really influential math rock groups that, ki- that kind of developed a cult following uh they're I mean I, I use the term emo but like that's just because of their lyrics I, I mean it's their music that really I found drew, drew me in and it's uh it's just a great great record so that that would be up there too um and number five huh. miles davis is kind of blue and it's not an original pressing it's a reissue but it's the the first jazz album i listened to and i find it one of the most soothing records in the world
0: nice my last question i guess kind of in regards to the vinyl that's a very cool selection that that you've mentioned but uh now here's a question i don't know if i i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe regret bringing this up i know I know if someone would ask me this at least for some of my interests I'd be a bit embarrassed but what's the most you've spent on a vinyl?
1: I know. Uh it was I paid 70 I paid $80. No. Okay, I'll give you two. The number 1 is a vaporwave act. If you know what vaporwave is, that's a whole online kind of subgenre oh, yeah. to go into called uh, Death's Magnetic Death's Magnetic Shroud, I believe is the name of the act. And they have an album called "Try Living Through This." I think that's what it's called. I haven't listened to it in a while, and I don't really want to because it's particularly valuable. It's a double LP set, and uh, it's on like a like a multicolored, spotted clear vinyl uh, pressing, and uh, only like two hundred were pressed or five hundred, and they sold out within an hour last Christmas, and I got one. Wow! So I paid one hundred and twenty dollars for it. <laughs> I'm just, i'll be totally honest i paid 120 bucks for it but you know it's it's an investment let's put it that way <laughs> and uh, second to that would be a first pressing of frank and christ by the dead Kennedys with a uh rather disgusting poster that it came with uh that was banned <laughs> i think it was banned in the united states i don't think the canadian one was banned so it's probably a little bit less valuable but i paid 75 for that
0: that's that's good and you know i'll be honest it's it's less i'm 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 surprised because it's like Maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but it's less than I I expected because I know there's some people who pay like hundreds and hundreds for uh, specific ones. But I'm 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 I'm, I that's very that's good. I was expecting to hear like two hundred dollar amounts, but it's like two hundred three hundred dollar amounts. But I'm that's 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 pretty good. Yeah. And and I mean, considering with them, too, you can like flip you can probably flip them, God forbid, uh, for double what you paid, too. So. It's an investment, like you said.
1: I just don't have, I don't have enough disposable income to be spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on 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 records. I, as much as I love yeah. them, I have I have to pay for gas. I have to buy food. You know, there's stuff that I, I have responsibilities yeah. I have to take care of. Um, but yeah, no, that's yeah. it's I I don't I think I, I think 120 is my high watermark mark. It's really not that bad. Well, that is very
0: cool, and you know that's an amazing collection. Maybe maybe one day, you know, we'll see a return of the vinyl show actually straight from your collection. That'd be pretty cool. That would be
1: fun. Uh, that would be when Andrew finally loses his mind, starts his own radio station, and just plays whatever the hell he wants all the time. <laughs> but um, I, uh, yeah. yeah, but you know, we're doing this virtually. Just you know, full disclosure, we're not in the same room. I'm in my house. Geo's at his I presume house.
0: <laughs> Unless you're doing this, from I'm in a garbage can downtown. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm outside that. I'm outside that ghetto McDonald's that in in uh, Rito that everybody hates. Oof
1: yeah no that place uh don't go
0: there there's the people who've seen things or they can't be unseen i don't know how i'd even describe that maybe i should have brought it up but it's just literally like possibly the worst mcdonald's in canada
1: dude we could do an entire podcast on that mcdonald's like i've been to some sketchy mcdonald's i've been to one in montreal that was pretty sketchy one in toronto uh but that one takes the cake like it's 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 just it, it's just you would go by there and it's just like there's this vagrancy ass like air to it where there's drug deals happening and there's fights happening and and they used to be open 24 hours <laughs> like those were the crazy days of the rito Street mcDonald's you know you'd finish going to a like a concert at like zaphods or something and you'd be like yeah we're drunk and we're hungry yeah let's go get some chicken McNuggets. and you you'd roll up to, you'd roll you'd roll up to this place with your Drunk friends at like two in the morning, <laughs> and uh, you see someone bleeding or someone getting punched or, <laughs> or someone pulled, pull a raccoon out or something like it was just it, it was it was mayhem.
0: <laughs> God, I'd hate to be one of the people who worked there during the 10 p.m. to uh 8 a.m.
1: I knew shift. a guy who did, I knew a guy who did. Oh, jeez. yeah, uh, it was uh, I felt sorry for him, uh, I worked with him. Him and I didn't really get along for some reason, but uh, he I, I always felt the utmost sympathy for him having to do that. Their manager, by the way, I, I, I mean, I never met her. I saw her a few times, and she was just, like, she was a badass woman. Like, she she would, like, just, like, grab people by the back of their shirts and throw them out into the snowbank. Like... She, 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 she did not Jesus yeah and like she wasn't like like you know this. she wasn't like built or anything she's just a very average looking person but she she'd be like oh hell no and she just like pick people up and toss them out of the restaurant I had a lot of respect for her <laughs> she
0: was awesome oh my god see you know that is where there's there's not a lot of media which this actually alludes to an episode that's coming soon there's not a lot of media that specifically revolves around actual uh stuff in Canada like that specifically references canadian stuff at least film and tv or at least what i personally think sure why not a netflix documentary on that mcdonald's you know i think that's that is a money maker right there
1: yeah um i mean the, the problem with i think canadian television and media is that because there's because we're such a smaller country compared to what's right next door there's just isn't as much interest internationally i find in the stuff that we do right like like the united states just produces much more stuff and Canada just doesn't have the numbers for it. But we do come out with some gems, though. I mean, look at Shit's Creek or uh, tra- Trailer Park Boys or, or these, oh, yeah. th- these shows that have these cult followings around them that have taken off around the world. Uh, so there's a lot of talent here. It just takes a little extra legwork to get it to go. But yeah, Rito Street McDonald's documentary. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, that, that is a goldmine. I mean, you can just do, you can probably do a Netflix series on just ghetto McDonald's just make an entire probably 52 episode series there is probably every single mcdonald's mcdonald's is just probably a center for indecent acts (laughs) you can just go to just find any mcdonald's like you know there's the stories of you know some there's a code word for happy meal with toy and they put weed in your happy meal it was a drug distribution place there's a guy who who I, i i forget the details i think there was some guy who got naked in a mcdonald's there was a mcdonald's that was playing rucka rucka Ali music and they got in trouble there's there's mcdonald's that were like i don't remember somebody they were somebody pooped in a burger i don't remember you can just do stories upon stories come on mcdonald's mcdonald's netflix expose come on
1: if 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 like aliens landed on earth and we had to show them like what the worst of humanity can offer we would bring we would show them mcdonald's and why it stands <laughs> And why And I and I used to work at McDonald's And here Okay If anyone ever wants to know Anything about McDonald's And about like You know How things operate there I will be an open book about it Because I for one Have nothing to lose In that regard And also for two It's not as bad as you think <laughs> Like there's all these Urban legends That used to float, fly around When I was a kid Like there's stuff like Yeah their meat's Not really meat It's just They call it 100% meat Because that's the company That makes it That's not true The company's called Cargill Farms They're based in Alberta and it is beef. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, uh, or or you hear stuff like um, there. I don't know. I can't think of anything else on the top of my head. But there, there's always these myths about McDonald's being like this awful place. But food wise, it was actually they really do care about quality. And I'm not plugging McDonald's for any reason. I was I was genuinely impressed when I worked there. I was like, they have, you, they make you wash your hands like every half hour or every hour or something like that. Like it's they have these really high standards, and and you don't become the number one fast food chain in the world by cutting corners you know i mean they, they, I, t- I tip my hat to them in that sense they, they really did well but because they're so available and they're everywhere and they're inexpensive I, I think it can attract some people who might do some pretty awful things
0: oh yeah i guess you can kind of do a comparison you know you've got the mcdonald's representing the united states but then you can just go to harvey's for canada which is you know slightly better but you know it's just the same
1: okay yeah any anyone anyone any americans listening right now if you're up in canada canada at any point you've got to try harvey's man like they it's like subway for a burger
0: i love we've went from uh, um records lps to uh burgers in harvey's so i don't know hey i think that's a good way to end off
1: yeah that's great man <laughs>
0: this is fun Gio. thank you for having
1: me on man i really appreciate it i'm glad we could do this
0: no worries i don't think of anyone i could have could have had a conversation that could have taken such an odd turn but uh here we are um just like old times exactly exactly man but uh for anybody who wants to follow you or find you where where can we find you
1: Yeah, so Instagram, it's at Drew on your radio. Uh, And, of course, you can hear me weekends on Jump 106.9 here in Ottawa, Ontario. Or uh, you can stream me online at jumpradio.ca. You can also uh, – I have a personal Facebook page. Okay I'm not going to give that out actually uh, we'll, just, <laughs> we'll, we'll just say Insta- Instagram Drew on your radio that's where you can find Me at give me a follow hey I might follow You back and you know and, and, and Another thing I want to say just before this all wraps up If you're a radio student and you're Into broadcasting come to me And if I and I will I want to help You however I can with In terms of like if I can critique your demo Tape uh, if I can give you Advice on the industry and I mean I am not a, a guru of this at, at, By any means but I've been able to see several sides of the industry and work within them and I'm only 25. So I can relate I can relate to you kids. <laughs> you know, like I, I please come to me and I'll help you and I'll I'll, I'll try to make your lives a little less hectic cuz I know what it's like to feel like, you know, confused and to not really know what you're doing, but like we need to have each other's backs in this industry. It's really important to make friends and I'll be there for you.
0: He can relate to kids because he's not a boomer yet.
1: Not yet. Give me five years and I'll be a 30-year-old boomer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the show. Andrew, it's been a pleasure having you. Another friend from the radio program. Uh, For anyone who's interested in uh, following the Geo Show, you can find it on Facebook. Simply just search the Geo Show. Uh, It should be the first results. I'm on Instagram at the Geo Show official. And just for when you're searching that up, it's Geo with an I, -I G-I-O, all one word. You can find me on Twitter under P-E-T-T-I underscore Geo. It's uh, Petty underscore Geo. That is Petty with an I, not a Y. I am not that Petty. And you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts Stitcher although I don't think anyone really even uses Stitcher to be perfectly honest and uh, I, I've always wanted to make that joke on uh, SoundCloud as well so thank you for listening thank you Andrew Schofield for joining us on the show anything you want to say before we go
1: uh, that's it uh, you know listen to this guy's podcast he really goes in depth and uh, he's very approachable uh, Gio, Gio's a good guy to have in your corner and he's also very passionate about radio just like just just like me we're
0: two, we're two people that you can approach thank you and I appreciate hey i appreciate that that uh, that's the nicest thing i've heard about the show but thank you very much for listening it's been a great episode we'll catch you next time bye the geo show geo show the geo show the geo show and if you're looking for a good, hands-off coffee experience in the ottawa area look no further than the daily grind coffee company All their brews are made by machine, no human contact. Since 2018, Daily Grind Coffee Company has been providing Starbucks quality coffee at a Tim Hortons price. Find them online at thedailygrindcoffeecompany.ca.